Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you on a wonderful October Sunday. Yeah, it's nice. I hope you guys all enjoyed that Kansas City Patriots game last weekend. It was really good. I just had to throw that out there. Uh, so we've been talking about inside out, living inside out, and because sometimes we, we get into life situations where it just doesn't seem to be working out. Um, there are times when the situations begin to define us as who we are as people, and, and last week we started this new series, and in the, the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul sends an email-sized message to the, this young church uh, because he was in the middle of really hard times. He was in prison. He was confined to a Roman uh, guard. He was actually chained to this individual. He knew he was going to die. He was going to be executed. So during this time, while he's waiting for this to take place, he's writing out this note and sending it out to his church and to let them know about what's going on with him. But also, one of the things that he reveals in it is that his heart and his attitude in a situation like that really get revealed. And I don't know how difficult your situation is. And it's not like we're trying to top one another and who's having a worse day or who suffers more or who has the worst body pain. Pain, or, uh, pain in any form in anyone's life is a difficult thing to deal with. Disappointment is a really difficult thing to overcome. And so Paul's heart and his attitude in this situation is really important to us because it, it serves as an example on, on how we're to live our lives. So he finds himself in one of the most difficult situations. So he writes out to the Philippians this letter. He says in 1 Philippians 3, he says, I thank my God in remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Wow. It doesn't sound like a guy who's added up all the circumstances of his life and has decided, well, you know, life really stinks, and I re it's really not worth living, or God really doesn't exist, and God's not coming through for me. I love what he put out there, and we learned this last week, this inside-out concept. He said, I thank God, I pray with joy, and I am confident. That was the posture that he took inside of himself. That was the inside-out attitude, is that he thanked God. He, he always had cause to thank God for what God was doing. He prayed with joy, and he was confident that God was going to be doing something special in his life and in the life of the people around him. So this is the journey that we're taking. I think we all need to take it, because happiness is circumstantial. And I really like that, that definition of it being circumstantial, because circumstantial, if you break it out to its original, is it's kind of like a man standing in the middle of a circle, and you you're just have a circle right around you, and somebody who lives circumstantially is someone whose life is based upon the circle of events that take place surrounding him. That means life is as good or as bad based upon the events that are taking place inside the circle. So if the events inside the circle are, are going good, well, then they're happy about life. They have an outside-in type of mindset. Happiness is when all the stuff in this circle is favorable. And let me just say, there's no sin in, in happiness. 
Nothing wrong with happiness. The problem is, is that the pursuit of happiness is the vain attempt to try to arrange the external world so that it gives us internal satisfaction. That I am going to arrange my world, everything, I'm going to make sure everything is in the circle of my life to make sure that I got all happy things in there and then I can be happy about my life and I can try to push out the negative stuff and the things that make me sad or the things that make me disappointed and I can remove them out of my life. And happiness or the good life is when all the circumstantial, I'm standing in the middle of positive circumstances in life. Who can pull that off? I mean, it's just, it's, it's impossible. And I think we all know it's impossible, but yet it seems to be our American pursuit to try to arrange everything in this circle to make us happy. But joy is the result of an inward confidence that provides an outside-proof attitude. And I think that's really important, that it's outside-proof Meaning that there will be a lot of things that are going to move into the circle of my life that I can't control. I can't control if Susan loves me or not. I can't control if she wants to walk one day. I can't control what's going on in Washington. I can't control the, the economics of the world. I can't control uh, what you know, spot emerges on my body this week and I need to go see the doctor about there are so many things I can't control, but I can have an attitude that begins to outside-proof my life so that the things in the circle of my life are not necessarily the things that are controlling my life. Joy is the result of an inward perspective that supersedes circumstantial events of life. Joy outweighs the sadness and, and outweighs even the happiness. Now, let me just say, we're going to be talking about how joy comes to us from God. But joy really comes to us from God a lot of different ways. We'll be talking about two of them. But you may ask yourself, well, can a non-Christian experience joy? Happiness is this way. Today is a really sunny, beautiful day. That's a circumstantial event. It's going to happen today. It's going to be, I mean, it's sunny today. Well, it's sunny right now. But to say that the sun will rise every single day, and I'm confident of the rising of that sun, well, that's a joy thought. Because let's say it rains today. But I know that the sun's going to come up every single day. As long as I live, there will be a sun that will be rising. So happiness would be the circumstantial. The sun came up, and it's a sunny day, and I'm happy about the sunny day. But the joy thought would be that I am confident that even if a bad day occurs today meteorologically, that the sun's going to come up again. There's a kind of a, a sense of an eternal concept that goes beyond the day, beyond the moment, and extends further. And we find that God is the source of these great ideas. These eternal thoughts seem to be things that come from God. Too many of us are determining our satisfaction level based upon what is being fed inside of our circle. We're, we're wanting life to shove stuff kind of intravenously or inject happiness into our circle. So a lot of us are devouring the information that comes off the TV or from, from the internet. Or, and so we're kind of hoping for a source of information that will keep our circle happy. But the problem is, is TV can't do that either. Uh, the internet can't do it either. I mean, just go to CNN. 
I mean, no, I'm, I'm not a Fox versus CNN kind of guy, Democrat versus Republicans kind of guy. I, I'm not even into that. I, I'm not letting that, that crap in my circle, okay? Um, but you just turn on CNN. They just are inventing things for you and I to be miserable about or things to get angry about. And so if your source of how you feel about your life today, how you feel about um, the world today is coming from an external source, well, don't be surprised that things are getting in, interjected into your life that are just going to cloud the waters of it. Too many of us are comparing ourselves to others. That's where we get our source of information, whether or not I should be joyful or not or happy or not in my life is, well, what are other 59-year-old men looking like? Uh, you know, I, we went up to Wyoming uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, me and my wife, and uh, it's just absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, I literally was like, dear Jesus, if you want me in Wyoming, will you appear to me tonight by my bed? Will you appear to me if you want me to move to Wyoming? If you've been to Yellowstone, you'll know why. It's a, probably a great place to visit, but who wants to live there in the wintertime? So it was just this crazy, but, you know, I kind of feel good about myself at 59. I'm, you know, I'm not, like, terrible shape. Yeah, I just had a surgery and just you know, a couple other things taken care of. But otherwise, I'm, I feel pretty good. And so when I see another 59-year-old guy, I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm doing okay. Or maybe, you know, but I went up to Wyoming. Okay, and those men, those men are men, okay? Because <laughs> those, those men are far, farming all the time. And so I was walking down the street in Jackson Hole, and there was these mountain bike guys, and, you know, they came down there, and their legs are ripped, and, you know, their quads are ripped, and they were all thin, and they had really cool outfits on. And then I looked, and then their faces looked like mine. You know, they looked older. So, you know, they, then I'm like, so I mean, I tapped one guy, and I said, hey, dude, let me ask you something. How old are you? And he said, I'm 65. I'm like, dang, man. And I'm like, I suck. I mean, it's like, I, my life is miserable. Look at me, you fat, lazy pig. I can't believe you thought, you know. But I know, I know you think I'm psycho, but I am making it through. But here's the thing. You know, every time you see another woman lady walk in, ladies walk in, and, and uh, I guess the new thing for ladies is to see like a little bit of muscle structure on the arms of a woman. And, that's what my wife will say. Did you see the arms on the leg? I'm like, we're into arms now? I mean, it's like, you know, I didn't get that momo. So it was the comparison of how we look to one another, what we're driving into. It's like, well, you know, we're almost 40, so we should have a house like this. Or we should be driving a car like that. Or we should be taking trips like this and that. And, and, and you know, when that gets interjected into our circle, look, it just clouds up the water. Too many of us are allowing our situations of our marriages, our bodies, our finances, our country to determine the inward attitude of who we are as people. Happiness, for the most part, from what I've seen, there are some things that you can control, but for the most part, happiness seems to buy, happen by chance. I'm watching this show, and I haven't even gotten all the way through it because it makes me cry too much. It's, it's called The Human Flow. It's on Netflix. If you've got Netflix, you've seen a banner pop up called The Human Flow. It's a documentary about um, uh, refugees out of Syria traveling all the way to Italy and the journey that they go through. I know it seems like it's another part of our world, but I started, I thought, you know, I've got to watch this. I know it was a political issue, but 
Is there something more going on it? And as I began to watch it, I was just overwhelmed by, these, by the suffering of these people. And, and me and Deanna were watching it together, and, and we were just like, it, what would it have been if we were born in their bodies? You know, you had that kind of existential moment. When you're thinking like, you didn't choose to be born here in the United States. You didn't earn the United States. You didn't earn to be born where you are. I mean, you, your souls just end up in somebody's body. I don't know how it all works, but you know, and, and it's like, Dad, what if we had been born there? What if that was us in the, in the back of that truck? What if that was us in the rail car? What if that was our family in that boat trying to come across the Mediterranean Ocean? Dad, what would you have done in that? And, and I was just, overwhelmed with grief for these people. And I realized it's like happiness, you know, there's a lot of circumstantial outcome to it. I mean, some people get to live to 90. Other people deal with heart valve problems at 40. You know, there's so many variables that go on in life. And so if we're living our lives comparing it to one another or, or we're trying to arrange everything, and, and you know, I was just thinking about the guy from Microsoft. One of the founders of Microsoft just died. I think he was 62 or 65. And I remembered when um, the, the head of Apple died from pancreatic cancer, and, um, and I just realized it's like these are the richest men in the world, and they could not even put a dent against the advance of cancer in their lives. There's nobody can, that can that can sorrow-proof or grief-proof their life. I was just really, I was just humbled. I thought, well, maybe we've made it some advances, and maybe only the wealthy are getting it, and maybe us middle folks or poor people are not getting the health care, and that they're the only ones that are actually getting it, and that cancer's really been bit, uh, beaten, and, there, and there's the guy who's the, you know, developer of Microsoft. He dies real quick from, from cancer. So there's just no way that we can circle ourselves with all positive circumstances. But joy happens by choice. It really is a choice thing. The most sacred act you will ever perform on planet Earth, just think about what it would be. If you're a Catholic, you, you probably can go into this a little quicker. What is the most sacred act you can perform as a human being or as a Christian? Well, some of us would say it would be prayer. Um, that would be a good, good, that's a sacred thing. Some of us would say, no, no, fasting would be the most sacred act. Maybe giving would be the most sac sacred act or serving another person. And these are all really cool sacred acts that we do. But the most sacred act you will ever perform on this planet is making a choice. Making a choice precedes any other act that you will perform on this planet. The most sacred act you will ever make is making a choice. And joy dwells in the realm of choice. Happiness dwells in the realm of chance. Choice is something that has to be engaged in order for us to experience joy. I loved what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 30, 19. He said, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. That we have the sacred act to perform of making a choice to choose joy. 
that we can choose to control what things are going to affect our lives, what's going to determine whether or not we're satisfied with our lives. Now, I am not the most spiritual person in the room. And I think if you've been here across town for a while, you've, you've probably picked that up. Um, one of the things particularly is that everything has to make sense to my brain. It just has to all make sense. Or at least I've got to see the breadcrumbs leading to a place that makes sense. And too many times I think Christians just upgrade their happiness with Christian 2.0 language. I, I really do. I think what we do is we take the word happiness, we baptize it, and then we pull it out, and we now call it joy. So we use all these cliche Christian phrases. Too many of us just are still calling happiness joy, and we just use Christian language. Joy must be something that's more than thinking positive thoughts. And there always seems to be an overblend of positive thinking in Christianity. And I get it. There are, there are some incredibly positive thoughts. But the, the other day I saw it, somebody tweeted out the phrase, um, everyone is awesome, be happy. And I was like, man, that's a thought. i got to get into my head. And no, no, that's kind of like the sun came up today and it's a sunny day. Well, someplace on the planet it's not a sunny day. And not all people are awesome. Some people suck, okay? I mean, seriously. And then, there are, th there are days that I'm pleased, I'm just being blunt with you, there are days I suck, just like a cloudy day. I mean, some days you, you run into me, I'm not the best person to be around. So it's not true. Oh, no, 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 Paul, you need to think positive thoughts. Everybody's awesome. Well, you know, well, it's sunny here. But the forecast in Boston is it's about 33 degrees and raining. You know, so it's, it's not one of those things. That's a, that may be a happy thought, but that's not an eternal thought. That's not how things really are. But that's all, Paul. You just got to walk around and just have positive thoughts, positive about other people, and it will just transform your life. It will not. It will absolutely not. It's just a way of baptizing secular language and trying to turn it into something Christian. Paul begins to list off all the things that could possibly have brought him happiness. And he already owns these things. So that's what I like about it. He doesn't poo-poo things he doesn't own because we can do that. Well, I don't like BMWs because, you know, BMWs are blah, 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 blah. No, dude, you don't like BMWs because you can't afford a BMW, you know? So, that, so you decided to take a posture against it. But the Apostle Paul already has all these really cool accoutrements and, and things. He has achievements. He has entitlements. He has societal recognition. Kind of all the things that we want, things that if we could put in our circle, I would be really happy if I could get those three things in my circle. I would be having a sunny, happy day if I could get all those things. So when the Apostle Paul starts talking about achievements and entitlements and societal recognition and begins to level them and put them in their proper place, this is not a guy that doesn't have it. This is a guy that has it. You can trust the opinion of somebody who has it and then begins to say, well, I gotta be honest with you, it's my third BMW and yeah, they tend to have a problem with their transmissions at about 70,000 miles. Okay, I can begin to have a confidence now. So I want you to listen to him as he begins to list off things. He says, 
In Philippians 3, 4, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. Meaning that, you know, if I was to draw a circle around my life and look at the circumstances of my life, they look pretty darn good. Matter of fact, he would say, they look pretty darn good compared to your life. If I was going to go that way, if I was going to be happiness-based, he said, I have every reason to be happy. Now, he lists them off. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have even more. And then he begins to list them off. Circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, I'm not sure where the boast is there, but okay. I, I, um, I circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, which was kind of a big deal. Then of the tribe of Benjamin. That was kind of a big deal. And then a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law of Pharisee, meaning that he was, he was a doctorate of the law. He knew it, he lived it, he understood, he arranged his life based upon the law and the word of God. As to zeal, he was a, a persecutor of the church. I mean, he went after it hard. As to righteousness under the law, absolutely blameless. So Paul has a lot of positive thinking here. You know, so if positive thinking is the way to go, then Paul should just be happy. I mean, he should just stop right there. He's got all the accoutrements that go with happiness or are needed to make one happy. And the other thing is, is he doesn't just put Christian words on him. I'm now a Christian Hebrew. I'm now a Christian Pharisee. I'm now a Christian Hebrew of Hebrews. He doesn't just baptize his positive situations and turns them into something that he's now calling joy. But Paul insists that joy doesn't come from that. In Philippians 3, 7, he continues, he says, whatever gain I had, whatever is in my circle, nice house, pretty wife, good career, you know, really good on a mountain bike, whatever it may be, he said, whatever I counted as loss, for the, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus in my, my Lord. He said, he said, I consider them all loss. It's like they're no longer a source of determining who I am as an individual. I've made a choice that these things are not going to determine who I am, but rather knowing Christ is how I'm going to base my life. And he was willing to pass on these momentary happinesses of life to have the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. These are all knowing things, okay? I, I just need, these are all things that are going on in his brain. And the reason why I told you I'm not very spiritual is because a lot of Christianity goes on in your brain. You know, so if you're waiting to feel joy, I, you know, there's, there's one way that that can happen, but you gotta start thinking joy. There's got to be an exchange. There's got to be a valuation of things. What do I consider more valuable than the other things? You know, and I had this happen this week. It's not, it wasn't a big deal. It's just a, a little deal. But um, I, I'm putting new tires on my uh, Subaru Outback. It is, will be the hottest Subaru Outback in the Charleston area because that is in my circle. Um, and so they're going to be this giant knobbies, uh, KO2s from BF Goodrich. If you're uh, into that, you'll know what I mean. So they're going to be really cool. Well, so I had it all set up. I'm going to get it put on last Tuesday. Couldn't wait. I'm looking at pictures on the internet of what this car is going to look like. It's going to be the greatest Subaru. And, um, and then the shipping guy, the UPS guy comes, and there's 
three instead of four. And I'm like, excuse me, Mr. UPS man. I, you know, I'm supposed to have four tires. And he goes, I don't know about that, mister. And so I, put, I check on Amazon. One of them's back-ordered, you know. Okay, now if you're, maybe, is there any, anybody out there feeling my pain here? You're all excited about something cool. Ladies, something from Pottery Barn was about to arrive. You didn't get it. Okay, can, I, can we all touch the vanity? Um, and so, so I was, I mean, for like half an hour, I was a bad word. Is insert there. So I'm looking, so I'm just like, stupid. And I'm just like, so I'm coming to work. And poor Stacy was here. And uh, she comes in, and I, and I walk in the door, and I'm just like, um, uh, yeah, you see that sign outside? Yeah, that's a stupid sign. We need a new sign. Why don't we still have a stupid sign like that? That's a stupid sign. And why are these walls not painted? Anybody knows that the walls are not painted? We need to paint these walls. And she's like, okay. She's got her notepad. And I'm like, and I'm like okay, I am sorry. I realized, as petty as it was, I was, I was letting the circle control my world, to control my life. It was just a little petty thing. And I was letting it control most of me. And it was like, okay, this is not the way God wants me to run my life. So Paul, he doesn't get rid of all his stuff, but he puts it in its proper place. Big wheels on a Subaru? Okay, it's a thing, maybe. But, you know, it's a, it's a thing, but put it in its proper place. Make a choice. Am I going to let this ruin my life or affect the way that I deal with other people? The writer of Nehemiah was right when he said this. In Nehemiah 8.10, talking to a group of people who had just lost their, their city, and it was fired, burned, and it was just, you know, it looked like the Gaza Strip. Everything, the walls were toppled and everything he said to them do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength just recapitulating your circumstances in Christian language or self-fulfilling language is not joy just talking positive about something is not going to make a joy the joy of the Lord is our strength, and the joy of the Lord comes to us two ways. The first way that our, the joy of the Lord comes to us is our awareness of the plan of God for our lives. This is where your brain gets involved. See, the Word of God puts forth a construct. In philosophy, it's called a noetic structure. It's a structure of knowing. Every one of us in our brains create a spider web of ideas, thoughts, values, uh, what we hold to be true, what we hold to be for, uh, false. And like those banana spiders, they, they, they weave together this giant web of how we view the world. And we look to the, through the world, through this spider web, into the world based upon this value system. It's kind of a construct of thought. Now, everybody has a construct of thought. We call some people liberals. We call some people um, right-wing. Uh, we have all kinds of uh, constructs. We have an atheist construct. But then there's a the construct that we have, and that's our Christian worldview about our lives. And we have a construct of God from God about how reality really works. And we look through this construct. 
And that mental construct is made up of our forgiveness, our purpose, our meaning, being created in the image of God, and what our destiny is. And joy is the mental habit of pushing forward the truths of God over the perceptions of the moment. It is saying, this is what I know about what God's doing in my life, and I will push that thought forward in my brain. I will make the sacred choice. I will perform the most sacred act a human can do and make a choice to choose joy, to choose the construct of God for my life. So when I sin, do something really horrible, I, I don't do like super horrible stuff, I don't want you to think too badly of me, but you know, when I do stuff that kind of makes me feel shameful, you know, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I, I'm, you know, kind of really just beating myself up and saying what kind of person I think of myself, I gotta remember, joy does not come from what I think about myself, because that's still an outside in. I'm on the, I'm on the outside. What does God say? He is faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. And if we say we have no sin, there is no truth in us, and we are liars. And all of a sudden, that, that idea from 1 John drops into my head because I have made the choice to know that truth, and I look at myself, and I say to myself, and, uh, and just like Ephesians says, Paul, good morning. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I say, well, wow. See, that's not positive thoughts. That's thinking God thoughts about myself. See, I use my, my God construct, my noetic structure, what I know about what God has said about me, my forgiveness, my plan, my made in his image, everything about me, and I choose those thoughts. I was, I was this morning, I got up and I looked on my leg. I shouldn't even look at my body anymore. I looked on my leg. This big old purple thing has grown on it in like a week, you know, raised and everything. You know, I know you're all like, a, dude, you need to get that checked out. Well, that was my first thought. And I just thought, you know what? He who began a good work in me is going to be faithful to complete it. I am not worrying about that thing today. You know, I've got a better thing to do. I, I, I'm a part of God's plan for life, and I choose God. So part of joy comes from this pushing forth, this, this contrast. So if you don't know what your belief system is, this is why it's important. We don't read the Bible just to go to heaven, okay? We read the Bible to help Lincoln log and begin to put together the Legos of the noetic structure of thought, that construct, so that when I have bad days, when I have, look at the world around me, I begin to understand it, you know? It's like, wow, all of a sudden you see people hating each other. It's like, oh my goodness, I can't, be I can't believe that's going on. What's going wrong with the world? Well, I can look in the Word of God and find out, yeah, there'll be rumors of wars, earthquakes, tribulation, pestilence, all that's going to happen. It's like, all right. Okay, so God knows that's going to happen. Whew, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And so we need to get the word of God in us. Then there's a second one. I think I'm not real good at this one, but it is true. And this is where you started it all off. Our joy is of the Lord through his spirit moving in us. It's kind of like sometimes you just need a jump start. And you Maybe you haven't read the Bible. Maybe you don't know the Bible. Maybe you're at, this is all new to you, and you don't know any of the verses I've quoted. That's okay. 
Because the joy of the Lord, it's the Lord's joy that gets given to us. Because he's jacked about our lives. He's joyful about our lives. He knows his plan. He doesn't have anybody else feeding him bad, bad information about us. So it says the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. So what, there are days when I just don't feel it. I don't get it. I don't I look at the news and all that stuff. And I just got to say, God, I pray today that you would just fill me with your Holy Spirit and that you'll give me some joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. And you just ask God to do that. And you say, well, that's crazy. Well, have you ever had your battery in your car start, not start? I mean, it's dead. What do you do? You go get somebody with a better battery, you know, pull up alongside of you with their BMW, <laughs> pop the hood up, hook their battery to you, and they jumpstart you. And God says, listen, my joy is new every morning for you. And all we have to do is ask God to give us some joy so that we can begin the process of constructing this joy worldview that we can live life with. I love what Paul said in Romans 15, 13. He said, may the joy, may the God of hope fill you with joy. Okay, so there's the construct part that you and I, we choose to push forth the, the thoughts of God. And then there's this kind of joy that God just pours in you because you don't, you don't have any. Remember, you can't get any out there and you can't get any from here just thinking positively. You got to get it. And this is why Jesus said that the Spirit of God would come into us and become a wellspring of joy welling up to eternal life. So it comes to us from God by asking God just to fill us with his joy. He said, may, the peace, may God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing so that you may, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Um, joy has got to be something that doesn't come from us. It's got to be something that comes from something greater than us. It's more than just, is the sun out today? but whether or not, it's whether, is the sun going to rise every single day? And joy is when you push forward the concepts of God into your mind and allow the Spirit of God to refresh your mind. If you're not doing that, then you better get yourself a really good circle, okay? And fill it with a lot of good stuff because otherwise... Disappointment is soon to follow. I choose joy because of the authority of his word. And I choose joy inspired by his spirit. And I think that's what God wants us to do today. And a lot of us have been waiting on God to give us joy when we've not even asked for it. We just think that he just kind of puts joy and floats over all humanity with little dust and and everybody just has joy and some people get it and some people don't get it now if you ask of god he will freely give it to you but also it's got to be a part of the choices that we make in life you know i just i stopped opening up cnn i i used to go to facebook i know i'm a full-grown man and why am i going to facebook three times a day 
and that's actually half the amount I really do, but I didn't want to say that number in public. But I began to realize, you know, you got to cut down on all these other things that are feeding information and thoughts into your life, into your circle. You can't live on what, you can't live on what your spouse is doing. I know you love them. I know you can't live on what the government's doing. You can't live, you know, on, on how your body's doing and be happy based on that or how much money that you have. Has life disappointed you? Welcome to earth. Welcome to earth. But we're not the only ones on this planet. God's here too. And he says, do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you seek it, he will give it to everyone who asks. Has happiness failed you? I don't doubt it. Always knew it would. But today, God will not. Father, we enter into this moment and we choose joy. As we take the bread and the cup, we realize the eternal truth that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Eternal, spoken into our lives today. So Father, today we enter into this moment. Let me invite you as we worship, as we close this service out with communion, let there be a time when you ask God, Fill me with your joy in my heart.